0: My name is margarita this is jared to jared on week of podcast the jared will discuss artificial intelligence medieval happiness conversations at the dog park and much much more pamanos muchachos
1: okay so i've got this um vending thing coming up in 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 a couple of weeks from now right and it's the, uh, I think I was telling you about it, it's MAPS. It's like the something, something, psychedelic science. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot the full acronym, but they do a conference every year in uh in Denver. And it's like a real big thing. You know, it's like a lot of big name people like Michael Pollan and Rick Doblin, the guy who started it, and um, Aaron Rodgers, the the football player, all, the, all these people come and give talks. So they have an art market that goes on, like on the side. So I'm going to go vend at it and it costs fucking 750 dollars to uh for the vendor fee right right which which seems insane but i was like you know what this this feels like a level up you know i'm going to give it a shot so now i'm kind of scrambling to like get my uh get stocked up on like prints and stickers all that sort of stuff you know and being in a new city being in denver i just like don't know where to go for it you know and i like knew all the people in albuquerque so i could like get deals or just do some kind of work trade where it would just be like get a bunch of free prints and stuff like that so now i'm looking at prints and prints are fucking so expensive dude to get like 50 prints uh i was talking to one guy it's 600 dollars to get like 50 of them you know and i was like holy shit and then i was looking elsewhere and like that seems to be kind of standard to get like a fine art print. I think I was just like very spoiled, um, you know, living in Albuquerque and just kind of like knowing people and like making trades and stuff like that. So I was feeling all this anxiety coming up and I was like, fuck dude, I can't spend, you know, I'm going to put in at least a thousand dollars into this thing, you know, and I need to get that back, you know? And But I was feeling into the anxiety. This is part of the meditation thing. I was feeling into the anxiety and was like, all right, why am I so freaked out about this? What's going on? And I think it's like, yeah, it's the fear of the money thing, spending that much money, but it's fear of a level up. It's also fear of uh, not being prepared because I hate feeling unprepared and I feel totally unprepared for this and don't know where to like go to get prepared, you know?
0: So I think it's that just this. Yeah, I think I
1: think this base anxiety is more about the feeling of unpreparedness more than the money even.
0: I remember I brought up to you a few weeks ago or like a month ago, I was like, man, you're going to be like stockpiling some stuff, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like little paintings and like big paint, you know, just to like kind of get inventory. That way you can actually make money at these events, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do that. Like I'm gonna get some prints, but also just like draw up a bunch of like I don't know, hand drawn cards or something. I don't really know. I mean, I do have I do have a good amount of originals. I have like 10 originals. Yeah. Right now. So we'll see. Yeah,
0: that's a good amount. And if you sell all of those, you'll make your money back. You know.
1: Oh, then I'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it's those small things to, to get too, like prints and um, you know, small originals. Even my mom yeah. would those clay's sometimes sure she used to and those are expensive that's like be like 250 a piece but those are like yeah. the artist signs them you know they're really really nice but yeah yeah that's what i'm talking about like that kind of thing but here's the thing though like the quality of the prints that you were getting in albuquerque i think we you could still probably get that for a similar price remember i was telling you like the colorations and stuff that that guy was working with um right right you know I think that's something we could even probably do through like (laughs) inkos or something like that you know what I'm saying yeah yeah not to like cheapify it or anything but I'm just saying an affordable option maybe that
1: is true yeah there's like FedEx or whatever you can just go and like upload a picture and print it all out it's just like then on like this like shitty glossy kind of paper you know
0: and then the coloration doesn't come out the way that it should and, right, know, right 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 and like upgrade the paper and the boards and stuff that you print on but um you know it's still not yeah. professional quality because here's the thing like dion and my mom and them and other artists that i know here in town it's like an art photographing art is like an art oh yeah process. you know and like yeah No, taking it's about getting the proper lighting how you edit them and everything trying to make them look most original you know right right not really doing like photoshop vibrancy on it or anything you know It just making look really good and then having a really sick printer to print them out on you know
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah I mean that's what I'm learning about like entrepreneurship it's just like like you can succeed at kind of anything you just have to put all of your time and all of your effort into it
0: right you know I wouldn't freak out too much though I'd be more excited about it even if it's kind of a you know it it will it won't be regardless because you'll have it as a learning moment and like you said exactly yeah your biggest anxiety right now is not no is the unknown and like not being prepared. so yeah Only way to really get prepared is trial by fire, and of course you could read about it and stuff, and reach out to artists, etc. And I'm, you know, I'm sure even Dion would be down to rap with you for a while. Yeah, Um, yeah. But ultimately, it's going there, doing it, and seeing how the crowd responds to your art because they may really like your prints. And don't sell too many originals, or vice versa. They may really like your originals, and then you don't sell that many prints. Who knows? Yeah, box six hundred dollar box of prints. You know, like my mom has some prints that she's never really sold because people more like to buy her originals. And now she's like in this cool gallery downtown. She just got into one, so she's all stoked. Oh, second. Yeah, so oh, that's really cool. But again it wouldn't really make sense for her to like invest in prints necessarily, you know, but
1: yeah, 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 exactly. But but what's interesting about it and thinking in terms of the, you know, retreat the other week and sort of like more self-knowledge and stuff like that. It's not even about like, cause the first layer of it was like, I'm freaked about money. And then the next layer of it was, no, I'm actually freaked about being unprepared. And then the next layer is well, I'm, scared about being unprepared because I'm scared of the unknown and then the next layer is why am I scared of the unknown and then that is right that's probably you know that's that's like an existential issue at that point but I think that kind of underlies all of our like surface level things you can then pare it back and then there's these deeper issues that are going on because like you said everything's your approach to things is always arbitrary you know because someone else could be in this position totally psyched like yeah hell yeah i'm doing this thing it's going to be a level up can't wait you know so it's your response to a situation says more about you than it does about the reality of the situation and that's about getting in touch with with whatever pieces of you are coming up in that process you know
0: exactly um yeah and a lot of our anxiety and fears are when we peel back the layers they're actually we're just on the base you yeah know, and like yeah. uh, baseless ultimately And yeah yeah a lot of our anxieties are actually just you know uh fabrications like these i'm trying to think of a word but sort of like arbitrary fabrications that we make up on our own we construct on our yeah, own yeah they're contrived right ill fears to even work you know like part of this could be um Sort of uh, just like imposter syndrome, anxiety about, you know, not having like made gigantic amounts of money or done gigantic shows yet, etc. You know, when as the, you shouldn't worry about that at all, because your work speaks for yourself. It's great. Your time yeah, you've spent in it over the past few years, you know, giving up your life for it, essentially. To- yeah, yeah. To <laughs> be an artist. Like right, right. translates. You, you don't. I was listening to a podcast about, and uh, they said a quote from um. Can't remember what the the director of Mar Big Marvel director, but essentially never make movies that you or or art in general that you think people want to buy. Yeah, make art that you think is awesome and cool, and then people will buy it because there's exactly so- yeah. Out there like they're looking for individuality something they can relate to that you know then there's so many different things it's really hard to be like oh this is what people want to buy or this is the way this yeah I should only sell these or only sell that do you do you and you'll be successful I think yeah 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 how do you relate to the unknown? I think life is unknown, you know? And uh, for me, ultimately, like what's going to happen after graduation? Is my dissertation going to get accepted? It finally did, et cetera. What's going to happen when Dolly's nine, 10, 11, 12? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm going to meet, et cetera. So I've, I've sort of tried to change the philosophy of my own life to think about to look forward to the unknown sort of be nostalgic mm-hmm. and it's sort of the clean slate thing. Right. There's actually a freedom in knowing the unknown and looking forward. It's like watching a movie. If every movie or book, we knew the ending before we even started it, we wouldn't <laughs> have a completely different relationship with the story. Right. It, you want to live it out at all. But yeah don't know the unknown chance that all creates thrill you know thrill of life and that's like the thriller movies even you know it wouldn't exist without unknown the unexpected how we're gonna get out and survive or or make this certain thing happen that we want to do whatever it is everything is unknown until it actually happens and then we can look back on it and reflect Um,
1: and life. that's where life really happens right like life really happens in that space of the unknown i mean that's that's rich soil you know something can happen there if you're hanging out in the space of the known constantly or or your comfort zone essentially right you know where where can you go from there nowhere that's that's stagnancy and, and stagnancy is essentially death right
0: you know which life should be a continuous stacking of these things that we can find comfort in though, too. I don't think that being able to relish in your successes in comfort is necessarily a bad thing. It's how struck that comfort or when we think that, uh, the comfort level has been met essentially, or, 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 uh, you know, I I see it always as like a building project, sort of. Yeah. Uh You can enjoy your comfort and live in it, but you also always have to continue renovating the building, essentially, and building upon it, maybe expanding, opening up a new lot, whatever. It
1: right. Is. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember that book, the uh, the wave, the superior man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David Data, I love that dude. <laughs> but he had this whole thing in that book David. where, um... <laughs> so good. He talks about um your life as being your your life as being made up of of concentric circles. That's the image that he uses. And then each each one of those circles is your purpose, and you think it's your core purpose. But once sort of the karma of that purpose is used up it, uh, dissolves. And then you're on to the next layer of purpose. So he goes, for example, let's say you're 20 years old, what's your core purpose. You're just like trying to get laid or something a bunch. Right. And then, okay, now you're 25. What's your core purpose. You're trying to really, um, establish yourself in the world, support yourself independently, all of that stuff. And then he goes, okay, now you're 30. What's your core purpose. Maybe at that point you're you know, meeting a a long-term partner and even talking about creating a family or whatever, right? Um, And then he goes through all those kind of possible sense of purposes. And then, you know, you're 60 and what's your purpose to, you know, phase out into retirement and, and go into that. And then he goes, what's the deeper purpose then? He goes, it's at some point, it's like finding spirituality or finding God or something. You've spent enough time playing with the stuff of life the material things of life that now you want to turn inwards, and that's sort of at the at the center of it. Which that's kind of neither here neither here nor there. But I think just that idea of the concentric circles is cool.
0: You know, kind of goes into me and Dion's philosophy about the immortality project. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is the uh, legacy going to be? What's what's your life's project? What's the right end? And yeah. I think that. It's more introspective, perhaps. It could be argued when you're older. But I think that introspection plays a crucial role throughout every aspect. Yeah, because you need to be clear on it. My knees, I was an emotional dude in my 20s. Yeah. <laughs> Etc. And now in my 30s, I think that, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that it's something that is is—it's always there, is the individual and the introspective. But of course, maybe it turns more organic when you're older and you just want to spend time with your dog and, you know, your mate or whatever. Yeah. Go Golden Nugget Casino in Vegas and win some. You know, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> the finer things in life. Yeah. <laughs> do it all over again, you know, so. Right, right. No, I got a question for you. Yeah. Do material things are they necessarily just arbitrary? Is it only arbitrary material or is it a reflection, sort of a harbinger of the, of our life and our life spirit and what we're going through? And it's also a re- somewhat of a reflection yeah. of who we are, what we do, our accomplishments, etc.? So is it only just this baseless, uh, you know, Exploitative matter that capitalist, you know, toxins or sure. material. Also, our, you know, somewhat of an a an identification. In a way, yeah, that's a good question.
1: Um, I think. Okay, well, I'll give you my kind of own approach to uh, materialism. You know, at different periods of my life. Talk about sort of those those circles and layers, you know, because my relationship to materialism has changed over the years. But when I was like, okay, let's say I was like 19, 20 years old and just like feeling very rebellious and anti-capitalist or whatever, all that kind of stuff that people get into when, when they're English majors in college, I was very like anti-materialistic, right? And then at some point I realized that being anti-something is still attaching you to that thing entirely you know so because you're still like getting energy from it you know you're you're still relating to that thing so there's no freedom there you're you're an anti-materialist but you're actually relying on materialism for your for your lifeblood for your energy that way right so i realized that and i was like that's fucking dumb where's my why am i such an anti-materialist and then looked at it more introspectively and then it turned out that that was just a way to like rebel against my like baby boomer hyper consumerist parents or something you know what i mean so it's less about the materialism itself and more about you know my my own stuff that i was using that as a tool to address um so now you know now fast forward when i think of like material things i mean yeah material's great money's great you know it's like i want to make a bunch of money so i can not work and just make my art and be free you know um, and use that money to go, I don't know, drink wine and have good meals and all that stuff. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's just balance, you know, it's everything in the the extreme kind of falls apart. I mean, if I think that having, you know, rich things and, and and that I can consume whatever I want is going to like fulfill me, ultimately I'm wrong, you know, but if I swing to the other end and say, um, okay, now I'm going to reject everything then that's going to fulfill me that's also wrong you know right. like like neither of those are true and you can use you know material checkpoints as as um reflections of your own growth yeah. you know like if i end up making a bunch of money off my art and then buy a house because of that that house is a is a celebration of of my achieved goals and all of that you know so there's a great sense of growth in that you know it's not just like capitalistic consumerism I mean that that's a real celebration of like my spirit even you know an ability to like create my own independence
0: absolutely um and I you know I think the only wrench that could be thrown or would be thrown in by scholars is the people that have no choice in what sure. their But mm-hmm. so that's through some sort of economical reason and whether that's through, you know, essentially through circumstance of whatever race, uh, geographical location, whatever it may be, you know, yeah, totally, they really have zero connection with the things that they buy. The only thing that they can really afford to buy is food, right? And they, yeah. wear, you know, a Mickey Mouse shirt for, for the <laughs> <kind> of, <laughs> but right something, right, something like clearly they don't connect with that shirt or you know their material possessions they're really just trying to survive however even in those populations it would be racist and exploitative to say that they have nothing within which they can identify themselves with whether yeah. that their own homes things that they make you know uh right motorcycle they drive whatever the bicycle you know etc there's something that it's human expression right so i think it's yeah on like you're saying on both both scales for sure
1: yeah and it's a weird moment we live in right because you you take someone who's who's i'm i'm not talking about someone who's poverty stricken but someone who's you know lower income say right they're still more materially well off than than a medieval king of england right you know, which is, but then still hyper dissatisfied and super stressed out about economic realities and all that sort of stuff, even though they have access to more food than fucking royalty 500 years ago. So it's it's a weird kind of thing, you know, I mean, but then they're, of course, way more stressed out than, you know, someone who's wealthy 500 years ago. So I don't know, where does our sense of satisfaction actually come from? Is it all about like our The way in which we, you know, comparison to other people is, you know, is it because of just American inequality that someone in that position, even though their fridge is full, they're still pissed,
0: you know? Hard to say, though, because how happy were people in medieval times, you know? Yeah, sure. Fair enough. It was probably terrible. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) Thirty, just like I lived a great old age because it was so stressful, and, like scary and wars and yeah, the stove back then, freaking you know, uh, was that one movie with Adam Driver? The- <laughs> Did you watch? Ben, uh, um oh, man, Matt Damon and Adam Driver. It's like yeah, the last duel,
1: last duel, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He talked about it, just like, oh, I gotta make some money, gonna go to war real quick this week. That's
1: you know what? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point.
0: I might get my leg chopped off. I don't know. We'll see if I'm like
1: <laughs> that's true. Or even like, um, even if you're like a prince at the time, it's like and you get a cavity in your tooth, you're gonna have to have someone fucking rip your tooth out with pliers and shit, you know, without anesthesia. So
0: it's like, yeah. People were happier back then. It's like where- right. And uh, if we lived back then, it would have probably been so stressful. Like the worst. Just like this is the worst. This is a bad time to live. Like yeah, yeah. Streets like fucking <laughs> kings and assholes. He's so only... that's
1: a good question though. Like what's the what's the happiness level of like a medieval royalty compared to like um, a you know someone making thirty five thousand dollars a year in the U.S. today
0: thousand dollars a year like middle class person in the you know lower middle class in the in america today yeah i would say the middle class person's happier i really would i mean ultimately we may complain but we have a space <laughs> which means we don't complain all day like a lot of people can go home and we play Fortnite we can listen to podcasts and like hang yeah. out if we have them and we don't just single dudes can still or single people can you know live their lives now hang out with friends jump on apps yeah tiktok alone is saving people's (laughs) mental i don't know about that (laughs) yeah it's probably Rudy, but i would say that there's an argument to be made that it's just a new form of like really good entertainment and i think that Back in medieval times, a lot of dudes probably would have like a lot of wars wouldn't have happened. I think if people like had TikTok and like a lot of people wouldn't wanted to have like gone to war and like murdered people. Just like I don't know, man. I was watching like Jack Black freaking on on TikTok is like you know at this crazy wine festival. It's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right wait how about this though because i was talking to um all right we're making a podcast of course where we talk about stuff of course ai is going to come up so i was talking to ashley the other day
0: topics i wanted to hit on this (laughs) yeah
1: oh it's ridiculous
0: yeah on ai but go ahead go ahead
1: yeah but um so i was talking to ashley and she was telling how on uh snapchat i don't have snapchat so i didn't know Uh, has like an AI option now where you you just like embedded in the app as your AI friend. You know, you can just Snapchat, you know, Charles, your, your AI homie, you know? And that's a shift because previously I would have had to go, like that technology already has existed for however long, a couple of years or something, but I would have had to go seek it out, get like the replica app, specifically download that in order to have my AI friend but now it's being embedded in the apps that people already have. And if Snapchat's the first one that's doing it, it's going to be, it's not going to be long before Instagram, you know, every TikTok is all embedded with AI.
0: Asking if you want GBT to be embedded. so
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're going to see that it's not just going to be on like the peripheries of our society where all these kind of like tech nerds are into it. It's going to be something that, you know, my mom on Long Island is going to be, like, interacting with AI. And I'm not saying that's necessarily good or bad. It's just an interesting shift, you know?
0: Well, I a that's like her with Joaquin Phoenix when he falls in love with the robot Scarlett Johansson. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. We live in that reality now.
0: Reality, which takes us away from, from society and in the natural, but can also... Yeah somebody that listen there's a lot of studies of loneliness being extremely detrimental to your health you know yeah and i think that perhaps there's some somewhat of a solution there i mean i would love to fall in love with the robotic anaday armis if she like called me every day <laughs> <laughs> like, was, bro that's like, such so a good <laughs> like asking about my day like yeah i don't yeah. Know. <laughs>
1: that's such a good scene in um blade runner 2049 and a day armos is his uh like his his holograph girlfriend and then i forget which character but she like whatever the character like makes fun of um oh fuck who's the actor who played uh uh
0: gosling
1: gosling yeah yeah anyway there's a scene where like this other character like makes fun of him for only being like capable of having a holographic girlfriend and not a real one and it's like oh shit we, we live in that we live in Blade Runner reality but my question to you though is okay so yeah this stuff can help with loneliness I'll, I'll assume that that's true in a lot of cases um however where is all the loneliness coming from because as of like 10 years ago, I think it was the US Surgeon General declared that there's a loneliness epidemic. This was like 10 years ago, right? Um, Around the time that social media was really, really taking off. So is social media, perhaps, I know correlation doesn't equal causation, right? But is social media causing or creating an environment of loneliness, and then um, introducing a supposed solution to that loneliness that's then just going to exacerbate the environment of loneliness you know talk about capitalism right i mean like false
0: scarcity i also think that uh it's an it's an echo of a culture too like i just yeah. imagine john wayne or like 1950s man <laughs> Lonely. i swear to god i'm a lonely man very lonely. <laughs> I mean, maybe occasionally, but I just, A, I don't see the, like, white hegemonic companies back then even doing surveys on loneliness in the 50s. Sure, sure. Much less uh, hyper-masculine, freaking golden ager admitting to the fact that he's lonely, you know. Uh, Yeah, yeah walk through the depths of hell in World War II, you know, and he's saying he's fine, doesn't want to talk about it. You know, meanwhile, he's beating the shit out of Lassie every chance he gets. (laughs) (laughs) But It's it's an echo of culture, and through social media, we're more able to connect with each other and be like, it's okay to express.
1: Right, interesting, yeah.
0: Yes, I'm not completely you know sure. uh, dismissing the fact that hey spend too much time perhaps on these devices sometimes etc but even video games like you're no longer just doing nothing at all you're also hanging out with the community talking to other human beings etc so I think it's it, it it's it's a double-edged sword there I wouldn't yeah. say necessarily that it's causation equals I would say in my own estimation my own life at times i think that social media has taken away from shit i could have learned portuguese by now or spanish or you know yeah and really good with it or japanese whatever the heck <laughs> right uh learn chess or something instead i was scrolling you know whatever it may be so there's that aspect that's just straight up negative i would say my my, my aspect but on the other hand I've had literally like Dalton wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Mark Zuckerberg, you know, or from MySpace. That's how me and Hillary really got together. And then, you know, I've had like a bunch of other relationships, even friendships that like from school, people reconnect, whatever. And now as a like, you know, single age, single dad, whatever, in a really small town. It's come in handy, you know. Zuck yeah, good, yeah. Been a good wingman every now and then that website, you know. So like it's actually connected me to people is the my point ultimately.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Dude, I entered a new uh discourse community today. It was weird. I took um <clears throat> Ashley's Ashley's uh dog, she I don't know, she was supposed to bring it to i don't know dog deck hair some shit but couldn't today or something whatever so she asked me if i could take care of the dog and i was like yeah sure um so i'm bringing this dog this little little um it's like a golden retriever cocker spaniel mix thing um and i bring it on a walk down to this park and then you know i'm just throwing a ball around with it and then this other dude shows up with his dog so i start like chatting with the guy and then another the guy shows up with his, his dog and then these two guys seem to know each other because of their dogs and then you know i was talking to them and it was funny because there's some like awkwardness because i don't own my own dog so i never like had the like dog park conversation before and like didn't really know how to do it you know so i was just kind of like so what's your dog's name am i supposed to ask your name too or just your dog how does this work you know
0: (laughs) what's this guy's name last name was it (laughs) (laughs)
1: what's your dog's last name
0: (laughs) trying to get i've been trying to get you to get a dog for a while i think you'd be a good dog guy it's a i think yeah it's a good discourse community being everybody's real friendly and it's like yeah like i don't know come on dogs are cool man they love the dogs you know it's good for the soul you're outside chatting it's good community yeah Yeah. no
1: yeah yeah no they're cool but it's like I I think it it must be different with your own dog you know because with Ashley's dog it's like the dog doesn't fully trust me yet you know and like I don't fully trust the dog yet like I took it off the leash for the first time today um so I was like nervous that it was gonna fucking run in front of a car or something and then it like runs up to this other dog that's like clearly kind of mean but like Ezra our dog is like this like it's like six months old so it doesn't know that there's mean dogs out there and it like almost got bit and i was like oh shit you know
0: but the thing is though is you're exactly right i got haggard The guy could fit in the palm of my hand now he's taller than me you know yeah and uh but he is like you know he knows the drill guy's on it he's yeah he knows the the sounds, the no, the danger, like shh, no, like yeah. my voice and stuff. Where, yeah, I'm like fully no leash, whatever downtown. Even guys, complete, just yeah. so will walk next to me, whatever. Anytime he going a little far, just call him. He's fine, you know. So, but again, that's because I got him little, little, you know. Yeah. After when they're older it's just it's it's hard to get to establish that bond and some people would say that's that's not necessarily true and it's true you can get a good bond with a new dog but it's just not the same it's not the same yeah a little tiny mean tune you know so
1: yeah 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 like me and this dog Ezra maybe you know maybe I don't know in like six months or something we'll be like homies and I trust Ezra and you know she's like walking beside me and, and all that sort of thing um, but right now there's an awkwardness you know it's like um i don't know it's like the the stepfather or something where you're just like i don't know about you man <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> dog just like looks at me all the time like he's just like you know <laughs> grilling me
0: that's <laughs> you're leaving yeah <laughs> But hey, they're little mammals, you know, and they live on a similar system to us on the domestic. So you just got to get in and get the trust and she'll be good. That's true. That's true. Some stuff and, you know, such a and then you'll be able to ask normal questions at the dog park and stuff, you know, (laughs) what's
1: what's your dog's last name, bro? Yeah.
0: What does he do? What does he do? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. Pretty Wait,
1: cool. here's another dog question, though. Because can can dogs have like something wrong with them, like mentally?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, because sometimes with Ezra, like, I think it's, um, <laughs> I kind of maybe the trust isn't there yet. I don't know. But just like, like, I'll like say something to her or like, you know, try and play with her. And she just like stares at me or like stares through me. It's even kind of weird, you know, where I'm just like, where are you right now? You know, like, can a dog like have be missing a chromosome or something, you know?
0: Absolutely. I met dogs But <laughs>
1: you
0: know. And like my parents' dog, she's like autistic for sure. I don't know. She's she's just like eyes cross sighted, like Yeah, really reflection on the wall she freaks out just like from a phone or watch or anything she'll lose it you know
1: oh dude this is this is the same as Ezra like the dog freaks out and like Ashley got her when she was six months old so I mean who knows what happened in that time you know maybe there's some abuse I don't know but like um but yeah if you pick up a phone like or whatever a box anything the dog freaks out you know, and then just stares at you weird. And then when we're outside playing, she's great, you know?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like Hagrid. I, I love Hagrid because he's so dumb that he's a great dog. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's the uh, how was the retreat? How was it? We don't have to get too much into it, but.
1: Yeah, sure. We can whatever Um, it was hard. It's always really, really hard. I mean, just physically, like you know, because you're you're sitting there focusing on your breath, or trying to anyway, for up to 10 hours each day. So it's, it's, it's grueling, you know, it's very difficult. Um, and then you're sitting there. And then the idea is that you're cutting out all the distractions. Um, you know, no phone, no conversation, even so you're just sitting there with your stuff, your own your own personal stuff. Um, so you're sitting there and, maybe some anxiety will come up and then it's like, okay, well, what's this anxiety coming from? Because there's nothing going on here. You know, <laughs> I'm sitting in silence. Where is this anxiety coming from? And then you start to listen to it and then, you know, maybe it will tell you something, maybe it won't. But the idea is that um, that you're, you're giving, you're kind of turning your, this is the wrong phrasing, but you're, you're turning your mind off so that your body can then process everything that it has been storing for the past in my case 31 years you know it's like um like in like trauma studies like the body literally is holding on to everything so there's there's moments during these retreats where i'll sit there you know into the 8th hour on the third day or something and my mind will finally calm down and get very very quiet and then my body kind of starts to take over and my body will just start to like release pain and and release stuff that I was holding on to you know yeah Yeah. so there's been big releases you know where I'll be in there weeping you know about something that happened 20 years ago right um
0: and then search and identify you know (laughs) this is Mm help explain to me this yeah okay so you're in a you're there meditation meditating etc right yeah how can you fix the problem by only identifying the problem like it seems to me that all the trauma I've gone through in my life like a lot of it anyways was dealt with by like actually having a conversation with the person that it happened with or addressing Mm. it in some sort of material, physical way, you know, not acknowledging it, but also Mm. by uh doing something about it, like speaking again, communicating it some, some way. And maybe that's, that's the answer there is the communication is through the therapy, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, that's. I mean, the, that's a beautiful, beautiful question. Um, so in my experience, I mean, it's it's not an either or question, right? I mean, like like having conversations with people that you know maybe, maybe there are some issues with or whatever. That that's really healing and that's really important for sure. You know, I'm not discounting any of that. You know, I think there are, um, you know, a, a myriad of ways to to deal with. Our stuff and trauma and all that sort of thing this is one tool and it's a tool that has worked very very well for me um and and what's interesting about it is okay let's say it's something that happened okay 20 years ago right um maybe that person's not even around anymore right or maybe their relationship just and I'm these are all hypotheticals but maybe the relationship got so toxic that they're gone you they're not in your life at all, but your body is still holding on to the instance of whatever it was that happened. Um, so then you're going in and releasing that energy that got stuck inside of your brain, inside of your muscles, all of that. Um, releasing that energy for yourself, you know, and then you leave, and it's and it's it's weird, it just happens, it's just gone. And this has happened to me where it's, I will feel like all this tension in my body, and then it will release. And, and it's, and it's gone and it's gone and, and that's it. And then if the person is still around, you know, can I follow up and go talk with them? Yeah, sure. And I have, you know, I've had like a lot of conversations with family members where, where it was like, during this meditation retreat, I remembered this really fucked up thing that happened. And, you know, I'm feeling angry at you. I know it was, you know, 25 years ago, but I'm feeling angry, angry around it can we have a conversation about that? And then that becomes part of the healing process. But I had to do my side of it first,
0: if that makes sense. Um, Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And that's the thing. You can't, if you had a war, if you're in war or something, you can't go talk to the soldier right. shooting at you or yeah, senator that said we should go to war necessarily, right? But there's got to be some way to release um, sad trauma, and um, yeah, yeah. I think this could be one way. It it even yeah. think how the body self heals itself. That maybe moments of post traumatic stress disorder and trauma, when you're thinking of what happened and you're there in the moment, maybe that's your body trying to heal itself. Being like, let's acknowledge it, let's identify with it, and let's let's face it on a personal. Yeah. That's yes. move past it, you know? Yeah. Fortunately, it's the repetition of, of of it as well. But I think in combination, though, it's a good thing. I yeah. also think that, like, even just community, like, we're talking, were we talking about this last time? But I know we've talked about in the past Sebastian Younger's work on, on why soldiers miss the war, et cetera. And yeah boiled down to tribalism there's no tribalism when they come home you know and native mm. soldiers have far less ptsd than non-native american soldiers because they come back to a tribe they come back right care about them include them you know there's not a disconnect through social media through all this weird materialism um social stigmas what have right. you know? <laughs> um kind of losing my thought here. Oh, yeah. But essentially, I think you can face trauma without necessarily having to engage literally with said trauma. You just have to acknowledge it and then community talk about it, therapy, uh, meditation, etc. You can actually move on past it without even having to have a a literal confrontation with it. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that
1: makes that makes complete sense. Like I had I had one release, like um not this the retreat before this this past one, where some I didn't even remember this instance, you know, where something really, really intense happened and and I didn't even remember it, you know. And then um it, it was repressed, you know, it was a repressed memory. And then um this memory came up and it was scared the shit out of me, you know. Um, and I was crying, my body was like shaking, you know. And and I still need to work through it some more because it was deeply buried, and then it came up and it was like it, you know, it it felt like a missing piece, kind of, you know. And and you know, can I talk to the, you know, can I talk to my family member who who you know I'm who was involved in this, and we were we were both, you know, children pretty much, and and like and it's like, I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing, because it's like, you know, where we talk, you know, we talk, we're friends or whatever, but not like super close, where we talk about like deep stuff, you know, and I don't necessarily feel comfortable bringing this this thing up, you know, and I kind of want to, but I also don't know if this family member has like the capacity or or willingness to, you know, have that conversation. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but for right now, at least I just feel comfortable, like, I'm, you know, just processing it myself. And they're a good person now, you know, they're a safe person and I enjoy my time with them. So it's not something that I'm like holding against them,
0: you know, in their current form. But it's weird. There's some memories we have with people that we're so afraid to ever talk about that. Right. We are like afraid of the adult reaction to what happened or like the interpretation of said story. Or is it the pact that both members were trying to, were repressing that was like the brain agreement on both. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And you're sort of breaking that pact by bringing it up. I don't know what it is, but there is some sort, but that's why it's also so healing for you, whether this person can even process that conversation, uh, it's never really about the other person. It's about you being able to communicate something that'll make you feel better, you know? And I'm not saying yeah. go or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's genuinely thought behind it necessarily. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I thought Kim before, when you, you mentioned kind of um, like PTSD flashbacks as the body almost trying to like re-remember it so that it has an opportunity to, to heal. Right. Um I think that's what patterns are too. Like when we get caught up in behavioral patterns, it's almost like ourselves giving ourselves another chance to um, cross that threshold, so to speak, you know, like, let's say, for example, I, I don't know, someone has like a pattern where they find themselves in abusive relationships over and over again, that sort of thing. Um, there, There's one level at which it's like, wow, maybe you're like, or, or okay, wait, better example, or a more specific one, Um, someone who is in an abusive relationship, that's reflective of their, you know, abusive parents relationship, right? Um, There's, there's a way in which we put ourselves in these patterned situations over and over again, so that we have another chance to fix it, you know, like, there's something almost endearing about that when someone keeps, keeps up a pattern, it's like, it's like giving themselves another opportunity
0: to, to redo that pattern. Right. Right. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, Is the pattern a healthy one though? Is it? Is it sort of an endless puzzle? No, it's totally unhealthy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting to think too how did people deal with mental health back in medieval times? Just jump on a horse, wow. out to the forest, you know, out of, <laughs> drink a bunch of wine, go hunt. You it. know, that's, oh man,
1: cool question. It probably depended on the society, right? I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, societies that were, I mean, shamanism and stuff like that. Right. I mean, in, like every culture. Well, as far as I know that I've read, you know, um, seems to have had some sort of like, you know, healer figure who would heal through dreams, through whatever, psychedelics, through whatever, it doesn't even matter. But they had some kind of healing figure um, who worked with that kind of stuff. Um, But then were there other societies that were just shitty-ass societies where everyone just like, yeah, I don't know, just
0: fucking... Like the oracles that people would go to, those oracles the stories of those oracles when that literature class i like took magic and ancient religion yeah the stories of those oracles were wild you know and that was like the, the town uh psychologist you know? exactly exactly A therapist would help you out whatever yeah three creepy dudes exploiting some like some young girl who they said had special magical powers and you know, could basically give you advice on your PTSD, essentially.
1: Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. I mean, they weren't using that language, but even in Buddhism, which, you know, I can, I can speak a bit more lucidly to that because I've I've studied it more, but like, if you look at um, like old, old Buddhist texts, you know, like 2000 years old, they're talking about the same exact thing that psychologists are talking about today in terms of trauma and healing and all the stuff we are just talking about they're just using different language you know they're using all this like hyper specific buddhist language but they're talking about the same thing
0: it's a, they were essentially the psychologists of their day sure sure the same with the you know even what's happening with jesus and christianity muslims etc all religions pretty much the elders now and like Jehovah's witnesses or the brothers and the mormonisms or whatever you know yeah these like quote unquote theoretical therapists you know or guides self-help guide books stuff like that look to back then still do now you know but of course the issue is is the exploitation of the members and the
1: yeah capital. yeah of course yeah
0: that's another uh conversation all in in its own but
1: yeah seeing where there's societies that were just like fucked up where they would like you said just like go to war get ptsd and just like ride their horse around drinking a ton of wine and going to brothels like yeah definitely you know it's like and then even look at like plague times right i mean like okay one thing i'm curious about your thoughts on is i think you can see the the european contact with america as coming from um plague era ptsd because the plague was happening i think i'd have to look it up just to be sure but i think the plague was happening in full force in like the 1300s right and then huh charles looked that up (laughs) charles was there man (laughs) And then um, and then Columbus came comes over in like 1492. Right. And, you know, and he was essentially human trafficker comes over. So it's like, wait, I see your mouth moving, but I don't hear you.
0: So pretty close, like correlation there between. Yeah, them.
1: exactly. So it would have been like Columbus's grandfather, great grandparents, whoever would have suffered the plague and been this, you know, just society of totally freaked out people. Right. You know, one third of the European population got destroyed by the plague, you know, and it wasn't just that they died, they died horrible, terrible, scary deaths, you know, right. babies sucking at the breasts of their decaying mothers like shit like that, like insane. Yeah, You know, culture doesn't come back from that easy. Yeah. So then that happened. And then just a few generations later. You have all these like frantic Puritans like coming over to uh to the New Land, hoping that it's going to be better, right?
0: Um, <clears throat> there's a great uh movie, Robert Downey Jr. movie called Restoration, where he's a doctor and like during the Black Plague, and oh, it really is about like coping with still trying to be a human being in this wild time, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, meets Meg Ryan and stuff. It's a really good <laughs> it Sounds amazing. nobody talks about. It's so it sounds
1: good. really cool, huh?
0: Yeah. And it's, like, the beginning scenes, like, super gory, crazy. They even, like, show this dude who survived open-heart surgery, but they, like, never put it fully back together. So you could like, kind of, like, see, like, parts of his heart moving and stuff. Oh, God. <laughs> Times <laughs> are insane. weird. You know, <laughs> uh, well, also, how did how would how did the human beings date back then? You know, where would like he ends up meeting Meg Ryan at some like hospital that he's working at, you know, in French countryside. Yeah. You know, and that's probably where it would go down and like drinking the drugs, whatever, however you'd get through to live through um crazy you know, pandemic like that, that, that pandemic almost like so wild. And seeing this, just like you're saying throughout the movie, there's scenes of like starving children, dead parents. Oh, terrible! Yeah, my You know, it's just brutal, man. Brutal. Yeah. And people nowadays, it's like oh. it's not like it used to be. Everybody was so happy back in the day.
1: Right. 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 <laughs>
0: acts and like freaking sewers of louis the vampire you know
1: oh man bro have you heard about the guy he was uh i think he was the the grandson of um Genghis khan he was he was a uh he was a mongolian warlord and this guy they were they are like moving um they're moving west and like you know trying to move into europe and go take over some land and stuff so they they sailed to this this port in uh italy and then this is right at the beginning of the plague and no one knows about the plague yet, except for, you know, a few communities who have it. Right. So this this guy, this Mongolian warlord, he notices that a bunch of his soldiers are, are dying off of some some illness, some mysterious illness. Right. So then he takes the the dead, rotting bodies of these soldiers who, who died from the plague, puts them in catapults and launches them into this port. In, in Italy is it biological warfare. Right. So people are just, like, in the market, you know, buying some apples or something, some ham, and then fucking just, like, plague bodies are just, like, falling into the plaza like, exploding.
0: Please are finding it. <laughs> 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 so this guy is, like,
1: single-handedly responsible for accelerating the plague, like, a hundredfold, you know?
0: Good job, buddy. Very good job. Yeah, crazy. But we still live in that time now. We don't, you know, drone. An interesting article would be on the effects of drone warfare, you know, and how that has really been basically like worse than the plague. Man, so many people have been killed innocent people through drones these days in all the warfare and uh, back to AI, yeah. Speaking of that, there's one thing I wanted to say about AI. Yesterday, I had a blast, man, for like an hour by myself, just (laughs) asking it (laughs) questions to like pitch me a story. Yeah. Uh, And I would just tell it to pitch me different stories. And then we're like English majors, so I was asking all kinds of different questions to try to prompt it to like get me to like, What's the characters? Who's that person? And what is this conflict you're talking oh, about? Oh, cool. And like, man, it, after a minute, you know, an hour, hour and a half, I was reading the coolest story and like collaborating with the AI. It was awesome. we were like, we were working together, man.
1: And that's, that's cool. That's
0: cool. Points and stuff. And we were doing multiple books. I even had it all the way up into the point because at first it said I couldn't do it. But after asking it all these different questions with the same story, all of a sudden it was able to start writing out the script scene by scene.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't like the best, but it was pretty interesting. One of them, I asked it to write a sci-fi drama in the style of Frank Herbert's Dune that included <laughs> a Native American casino. And <laughs> came up with casino chronicles it was the most incredible what? we did about this cosmic casino out in the edge of the galaxy that's like hidden within like cosmic clouds you go there people go there from around the universe and uh the games are high stakes not only for money but for life and like the, you know yeah. <laughs> oh that's so cool we had characters of like one one girls there trying to solve a mystery of some sort in the casino, and like there's this one warrior dude. Who's like, I'm just telling you, it was so sweet, and like the the council that ran the casino, like different characters within them, and like spirit guides, and this crazy like su- spiritualistic sci-fi, as Chat GPT put it, is what? Yeah. <laughs>
1: sounds cool the Casino Chronicles
0: Casino Chronicles I want to write it man I'm going to ask (laughs) yeah GGG remember the Casino Chronicles let's do this on
1: behalf
0: of the Jared thank you for listening you can reach the show at jared2jared at email.com adios